In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Jacqueline Laffer, the founder of Rebuild Girl. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 12. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the podcast that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pileski. I'm here today with Jacqueline Laffer. Jacqueline is the founder of Rebuild Girl. Rebuild Girl's mission is to help businesses on their e-commerce development projects, ahead of project timelines, avoid mistakes, and save money. So hey, Jacqueline, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Want to reach out and talk to you about um, e-commerce development projects. I found this an interesting subject a lot of people could be interested in. Um, So yeah, just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about what you do at Rebuild Girl and kind of what... What type of projects you work on specifically? Sure. So Rebuild Girl works with small, medium, and large-sized businesses, whether it's on their first e-commerce site or their next e-commerce site. Um, I mainly work with fashion and beauty brands. Um, that really has been the backbone of my my work experience. So that's really where my client base is. That being said, you know I'm completely open to working with you know, whether it's a B2B business or, um, or any other lifestyle brands or home decor. Hmm. And do you work mostly on the development side or is it on the front end or what kind of, where do you kind of fit in on the? Definitely on both sides. So I'm a project manager. That is like where my experience lies. Um, so what I help them do is identify agencies. So on the design side and on the development side, and we see projects through to fruition and I'll act as a project manager to make sure that every, everybody's getting along, have all the things that they need, um, and that they're getting the projects done on time. Cool. Okay. So you have a lot of experience in, and actually, you know, either the initial build out or kind of the, um, upgrading or replatforming type of thing of e-commerce sites, right? That's kind of totally. your, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So then what are some things just kind of, you know, so listeners can kind of get an understanding of what they should do when they're approaching a project like this. Um, when you first start working with a client, what are some things you talk about? What are some things you try to get them thinking about, um, to try to make the project go a little more smoothly? I think it's really important to go through an extensive discovery period Um, really identify what the main objectives of making the e-commerce site are. So some people, some brands, especially in fashion and beauty, they really want to make an immersive site that tells the brand story. So that type of site is definitely different in comparison to an e-commerce site that really is just purely focused on conversion. So identifying what your main objectives are, I think is cornerstone to this process. Um, once you define that, stick to your guns and, um, let that be your vision and your journey through the design process. Okay. And what are some questions you would ask to try to get that out of them to try to find, you know, what they actually want to do there so they would understand? Um, I would basically ask them what their main objectives are and it's, is it, you know, are they more interested in telling the brand story or are they really just interested in conversion? Cause it really just, that tells us so much from a design perspective and, 
and also from a platform perspective as well. So certain platforms are better in kind of more on the you know heavy conversion side and more kind of the branding design side? Well, I think that there's um, some platforms that are a little bit more conducive to more innovative design than others. Interesting. And in some cases that there are some businesses where, you know, they're really small and they're, they're starting out and maybe it's, you know, they just need to work within templates in the beginning stages, you know, identifying that is, is really important. Yeah, I definitely hear that all the time when people are starting to, you know, pick a platform and they decide between even hosted versus self-hosted sort of thing and, you know, getting an idea of what their um, level of IT is um, behind the scenes, where can they run like a Magento or something like that, or should they be on like a Shopify or a big commerce sort of hosted platform? Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, if you're working with a startup, then I would definitely say, you know, go with these hosted platforms like Shopify or Squarespace is actually doing a really great job um, on e-commerce as well right now. you know, so finding these, these smaller scale, uh, platforms, um, and then scaling the business as it grows. Um, so in the case of Shopify, obviously if you start on their, their original platform, and then if you need to migrate to Shopify plus, it makes it really easy to do that. Yep. And what are some of the benefits of doing that? They have kind of a upper tier, right? Shopify plus, um, what are some of the benefits of that? Definitely just more customizations. You're not working with so many plugins. Excuse me. Um, Yeah, you just have a lot more customization from the checkout perspective as well. Okay. So any sort of, um, any sort of, I just get this question all the time, so that's just why I ask. Any sort of platforms you recommend? Um, Because everyone asks what platforms. I feel like when people are first getting started, that's the, uh, one of the common questions. Are you, uh, do you have any preference? Um, You know, I definitely have my favorites and I I have the platforms that are not my favorites, but um, I'm really impressed with Shopify. I'm really impressed with with what Squarespace is doing um, in particular for startups. So if you have any listeners that are, are in a startup and they just, they don't have massive budgets, I think Squarespace is really worth looking into. Um, Then I would also say that big commerce is impressive in my opinion. I think they're doing a really good job. Um, and they have a, a really excellent team over there. Um, and then of course, you know, hybrids and demand where are, are always favorites too. Yep. Hmm. Is that anything on the hostess side? That's a good question. Or is there less of that nowadays? I try to avoid it for a lot of my clients. Okay. Yeah, I feel like unless you have the infrastructure behind you, um, you know, you need to know what you're doing to run a Magento or even to a point of WooCommerce, right? Where, um, totally. I'm actually I try to veer clients away from WooCommerce at this point as well. Oh. I just feel like it's added costs um, and it's unnecessary. So, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, Magento, WooCommerce, these platforms are great, and there is a purpose for them, and there are clients that are perfect for those platforms. Um, but I think that we're seeing less and less of it. Hmm. E-commerce has been around for so long now, you know, um, it's not this new thing anymore. So it's, I think, I think everybody's figuring out what best practices are and like the most economical ways to actually, you know, run an e-commerce business. Yeah. That's one of the the benefits of Magento, right? Versus one of the downfalls where it's like infinitely customizable, but then it's infinitely customizable, right? So then, you know, you can get a lot of 
weird things going on and uh you can do a lot of stuff and there's a lot of ways to shoot yourself in the foot so totally 100 percent. and there's so many magento developers out there too so yep. it's and uh yeah it, it can be challenging for clients so how do you recommend clients pick when they're deciding different agencies different developers what's kind of that process look like that's a great question. Um, it's so much about this as relationships and also, um, you know, referrals. So if, you know, I, I work with agencies and freelancers that have really good rapport in terms of the projects that they've done in the past, the relationship that they have with the clients, um, as well is so important. So I think it really comes down to, okay, what is, what does that agency already have on their plate? What can you find out? Like how many projects do they have running? What is the size of their development team? Um, and making sure that you have the proper resources for your particular project to be able to make sure that it's going to get done and there's no stress on their side. Um, and then, you know, obviously just everybody getting along is so important in this process. If you don't trust the team that you've selected, you're going to have a really big problem. So if you go into the relationship being like, you know, thinking that they're, you know, trying to, you know, nickel and dime you at every step of the way, it's just not going to be an enjoyable experience for anybody. Yeah. That's definitely, um, one of those, I got a start years back in consulting and you have those clients you work with that, um, you kind of just, they know your hourly rate and they know, you know, you're being fair and they're going to be fair and, it goes yeah. very well for everyone versus you have the other um, kind of re clients that have come in not through a referral and they don't know you and they don't know um, your way of working and, you know, that you're trustworthy. So definitely having that is huge. Totally. Transparency is key and just having, you know, it should be, it should be easy to talk to that person. Yep. So, I mean, this is going to be your partner for the next, you know, three to five years minimum, right? So, um, you know, make sure that you feel comfortable with them. It's well, almost then, like selecting a therapist. Right? Yeah. Well, and then making sure that that's a good one, making sure they have enough bandwidth, right? Because, you know, yeah. a lot of agencies or a lot of developers or, you know, everyone will take on projects, but knowing they actually have the, the resources to uh, complete it. Is, totally. That's, um, that's something, unless you've done it before, you don't realize that that's something uh, important to think about. Yeah, it's really important to ask, like, how big the development team is. Um, I would also, one of the other things I think is really important, too, is is talk to whoever the agency is or, or firm is and ask them, you know, are the people that are doing development also handling testing? Um, I think they're, I think it's really important for those two teams to be separate because um, you want a fresh set of eyes looking at, um, whatever was developed. Hmm. That's a good one. And then what sort of things on the actual like project management side do you kind of recommend? So there's not, you know, scope creep and, you know, any sort of like versioning, versioning on the project where I've seen folks, you know, on version one, try to stuff everything in there. Um, then I've also seen, you know, people go the other way where they try to have these very light, like small releases. Um, they cut something and then, flip to version two very quickly and start working on that. Um, any yeah. kind of best practices there? Or which side, yeah. which side do you fall on? Um, definitely. I, I am a firm believer in discovery. So 
get everything out, written out exactly like everything that everybody's wishes and wants from a requirement standpoint, make sure that you really do your due diligence on like what systems are at play. So if you're selecting an an e-commerce platform and you, your business already has an ERP, I would, and you want to have an integration between those two systems, I highly recommend making sure that those two systems have had an integration before. Um, don't go into any of this blindly and don't be the first person to do it (laughs) unless you have like enterprise budgets. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, especially to help prevent scope creep. Um, so again, so just obviously lay out, uh, everything that you want and then, um, and make sure you really understand what systems are at play. And then from there, you're able to have like a roadmap for, for your launch. Um, and I think it's also important to say, you know, and phasing exactly like what you were just mentioning, you know, phase one, we're going to do this. And then phase two, we're going to do these other 10 items. Um, and you know, not feeling the pressure to be able to just have everything in one go. Um, I don't think anybody should feel that, that pressure, you know, websites should be like, like decorating a home in a sense, like you're always adding something new. Um, and that entices your customers to come back or to stay. I like that analogy. It always, um, I always think about it, you know, some people the first time around approach it like, uh, remodeling the kitchen, right? Where you have the contract come in, they build the kitchen and then the contractor leaves and you know, you enjoy the kitchen for the next 10 years, whatever it is, but it's not, but that kind of analogy of, um, decorating, right? Where you're going to do it today, but it's going to be something that's going to grow over time and it's not going to be, you know, even six months from now, it's not going to be the same it is today. Um, Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like refreshing the homepage. I think the same should be applied from, you know, features and functionality. You know, there's, there's so many cool things that are happening. So, you know, maybe, maybe the goal is that you want to have a site similar to the gap where their product detail pages, you know, not only contain images, but they also contain, um, videos with like models walking and showing how the clothes fit. So maybe for phase one, you just show the images, but then, you know, in phase two, you show, you have video and adding that feature and functionality is just, you know, it's another thing to talk about another thing to talk about on, you know, newsletters or social. Yep. And do you recommend some sort of like maintenance budget after, you know, so they do the first couple phases, they get it launched and then they stick with this firm for, you know, mm-hmm. possibly indefinitely. Um, is that something people are doing or is it some point where they kind of end the relationship and that's that? You know, I see it, I I see it multiple ways. Um, you know, I think the best is, you know, that you have a really great relationship with your agency or, or development team and, and, you know, it's a maintenance contract that lasts, you know, the next three to five years. Um, you know, in some cases, a lot of companies will end up you know, bringing teams in house too, which I think is a really, it's, it's great, you know? Um, and once they have the team in house, then, um, you know, the development agency is only brought in for really large scale projects. Yep. But having them kind of, um, on hand and knowing that you kind of go back to the well and, you know, they are there and, you know, hopefully, 
you're picking an agency that's going to be around and stand kind of the test of time. So when you need something two years from now, they'll still be there. They'll still be taking on new clients and you can kind of go back to them. Totally. And I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to say this, which is, I think that's the ultimate problem with like Magento and Magento developers is like so many times. I mean, the amount of times I've heard clients say, yeah, our site is on Magento, but our, our development team, um, you know, it folded. And so the people that built the site, they are no longer available. So no one knows how the site was built. And so that's where a lot of these issues end up happening for these clients. They're like, we don't have anybody that knows this, this setup. And, you know, then they have all these other developers come in there and like start modifying the code and like things start breaking and, you know, it just, that's where the problems occur. Yeah. I've been on that in development projects where there's a, uh... There's some bodies buried in the code and, you know, you need that person there or someone there to tell you where the bodies are. And, you know, you don't yeah. want your developers just uncovering them in production and realizing, oh, that's why that was function. That's why that code was, you know, in that bizarre way right there um, and kind of learning why it looked like that. And, totally. you know, not just making that change and then realizing, realizing later once it's in production. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are some common mistakes when people kind of approach these projects you kind of see as, you know, something to look for? Mm, I, I, I'll go back to just really understanding, um, the systems at play. Um, I've, I've been involved in some projects where, you know, we, we have our project plan, but then all of a sudden there is a, a need for an integration between two systems, which have never, um, synced before. And, um, I, I just, that's a big red flag for me. Um, what else, you know, Oh, one would, that of the be, other- would that be kind of a deal breaker or would that be, you know, what would you do in that case where, you know, this, we seem to be the first people to do in this where, you know, there's no record of this. Is that like, you know, turn around and pack up or is this, you know, what would you do in that kind of case? Well, in some cases, you know, there are platforms out there that if they don't have, if they have never done the integration before, they just won't do it, hmm. you know? Um, they would, they would put their foot down and say, no, there are other, there are other platforms and other, um, design development agencies that would say, yeah, let's give it a whirl and let's, let's scope this out and make a rough estimate for how much this is going to cost, but there's no guarantee in that situation, you know? So it really can be at the cost of the client. So if, if the client has, is faced with this situation, they really should decide, if they're willing to go down that route and be willing to spend, you know, much more money than what they originally expected to spend. Um, and if they're willing to do it, great, you know, go for it. Someone should try it eventually with these systems. But, um, I guess the question is you should, should you be the ones to do it? Yep. You know? Yeah. Knowing that you're a, you know, e-commerce business and not a development shop where, you know, yeah. as, a, as a dev shop, you have an R and D budget to do, you know, these different things, but sometimes e-commerce businesses don't realize, you know, the, the objective here isn't to do R and D on e-commerce platforms. It's to build out an e-commerce platform. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. That is a, the most articulate way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I've seen that one before and knowing, you know, here are kind of the, here are the goalposts, here are kind of the boundaries. And, you know, there's a couple things here that are unknowns and this is where, you know, we have some budget for them, but, they could go awry um, and knowing at least what those things are um, ahead of time is very smart, right? Where, you know, just kind of moving down the road and finding out, you know, halfway down, oh, this is a 
you know, we budgeted X, but this is going to take three times that. Um, we might not, you know, we might not be prepared to spend that to finish this project. Um, that's a scary yep. thing to find out, you know, halfway through the project. Totally. Yep. That is exactly why I think it's, it's best to just not go down that route. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I would say too, that I, I, I see is a big mistake when people are about to do, whether it's their new e-commerce site or, or a complete redesign and replatform is on the client side. That is, um, is asking yourself if you have the team in place internally to be able to execute this. Oh. Um, so I'm sure that you have many design development listeners out there and they're probably always like, Oh my gosh, we are working with a marketing department that has no idea what goes into a, a replatform, for instance. Yep. Um, so it's a huge education process. It's a lot of setting expectations. Um, it's a lot of training, you know, from a content management side. Um, so I, I would definitely talk to whoever leadership is, um, or if you're on the client side, really just identify your business and, and the people that are working there and just make sure you have your team in place from an internal perspective that can help you see this project through. Hmm. And so, and not just on the actual, you know, picking the platform and getting the work done internally, but on who's going to manage the content and going forward, who's going to be the actual, um, boots on the ground, helping to run the day to day with the new platform. Totally. So, um, when I was with bliss, um, you know, we had, we had an internal call center at, um, at the, at the company, but then we outsourced the call center. So when we redesigned and rebuilt our site, there was a whole training period of, you know, basically training our call center on how, you know, our platforms worked. So making sure everybody knew how to, how to do a, a return and exchange uh, or apply free shipping if they needed to. So, um, you know, make sure you have a resource on the ground that's ready to, um, train your team. Um, and then the same thing for like your, your e-com or your marketing department that's, um, actually working within these systems. Um, I, I definitely encourage people to involve them, um, in the early stages of selecting the platform. I mean, I realized that, you know, businesses are, um, they, they make decisions based on budget requirements mainly. So once you determine what systems fall within your budgetary requirements, then once you've identified those systems, then involve those people that are going to be working with this in the system day to day and just have them demo it and get their feedback. See if it works within their, you know, day to day business operations. Like, is this going to improve processes for your team? Yeah, I've been on uh, projects on both sides of that, right, where they bring everyone on a little too early and there's, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen and everyone's mm. kind of weighing in on what they want. Um, but then I've also seen projects go the other way where, you know, they loop in the marketing department or customer service way mm -hmm. after, after everything's picked, after everything's kind of um, cemented in place. And everyone goes, this, you know, this isn't going to work or what are we going to do or this is going to be a significant change for us and it's going to, you know, add all this kind of uh, cost onto cost either in time or resources onto our kind of plate. Um, and that wasn't accounted for early on. So you see that all the time in both extremes. So having that blend is pretty critical. Yeah. I think if you, if you select people, trusted people from each of your departments and just say, you know, Hey, we, 
we really need to do this replatform. Here are the reasons, the business reasons why we're, we're looking at doing this. And then you involve those people in this, you know, demo view of, of whatever platforms you're considering and get their feedback. I mean, they're, I mean, this is your team. So, so start with that small like committee and then kind of, as you, as you kind of drill down, you know, grow it from there and involve more people, but you know, start with a, a committee from a representative type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, just having some select people from, you know, you know, operations and marketing and, um, uh, customers. Yep. Yeah, totally. And even finance too, you know, you want to make sure your finance team, um, has a chance to review what type of reports are going to come out of the system and make sure that they have the needs that they, that their needs are being met. We see that all the time where they're, the finance team comes in later, way later in the game, and they're yeah. not able to get the data out of the platform that they need to actually figure out kind of the metrics of, you know, <laughs> are we making money or, you know, where is money being spent, that sort of thing, and actually kind of look at those metrics. Um, totally. And that's one of those things people aren't looking at up front and they realize later, like, you know, even the internal POs might not match the PO on the supplier side and there's nothing lining them up. So then that becomes another huge prize with no one, account- no one accounted for. Yep. 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 100%. Don't forget about your poor finance team. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're in the corner and, but they're very important. They're so important. Yep. They, yeah. Definitely give them everything they need. <laughs> so actually as far as finance, um, budget and timelines and kind of those hard metrics, you know, how do you start figuring those out when, you know, you're looking at, Hey, maybe we should do this new project. You know, what sort of, how do you start even budgeting for it or understanding? Is this a, you know, a four week project or a four year project or what, you know, what's that look like? Sure. So again, it starts with the the discovery period of just getting their wishes and wants, um, understanding also the, or their current order volume and their site traffic, if it's already an existing site. Um, and then once you've kind of identified, you know, what tier they live in, in terms of a, a platform, um, the budgets start coming together. So, you know, obviously, if it's a startup and they're using something like Shopify, I mean, it's going to be a, a, a lot smaller of a scale project. But then if you determine that you're working with a, a larger business that's like venturing into demand where, you know, and they have, they need integrations and um, so on and so forth, I, I, then obviously you're looking at mar- much larger scale projects that are going to take longer. Hmm. Are you comfortable giving some ranges you've seen in form of budgets or on the low end versus the extreme high? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I have worked on projects that are $5,000, you know, with one SKU, um, you know, using a Squarespace site. Then I've, you know, I've seen, um, projects that are, you know, 1.5 million, you know, that are, are with many integrations and, um, it's a complete redesign and a rebuild and, and a lot of training is involved. Um, then I've also seen, I've seen custom developments also, um, you know, in like the $250,000 range too. Um, I mean, obviously that was a few years back, um, and you see less of the custom builds, but, um, you know, it, it really depends on what platform you're using and what you're trying to do in e-commerce. Um, yeah, that is is it kind of like a sweet spot where 
you know, you know, for let's say you said minimum 5,000, you know, you're going to get like an off the shelf kind of template. Most likely you're going to get kind of everything off the shelf, but yeah, you know, a little with your custom, with your, you know, products loaded and that sort of thing and a couple things loaded, but it's pretty much off the shelf. And yeah. then obviously you can go extreme in the other direction. Is that kind of a minimum record recommended budget um, for someone venturing into this? I think it really depends on the business side. Yep. You know, if you, and it, it depends on your business operations. It depends on, on what you have going on in the back end and what you need to be integrated. Um, it's, it's very tough to say. Yeah. I know that's, that's one of those things when you bring on new consultants is always the first question of how much will this cost? And then you realize that there's a lot of work before you can even get to that first number. Um, and part of that is the work. It's figuring out what, what the work will cost. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I created this business is just so I can, you know, work with the client. Like that's a separate line item. I'm seen as like an extension of their team for, you know, whether it's a three month to a year and a half long process. Right. And then, you know, we determine what that ultimate cost is, but the, the end result is that, you know, the full discovery has been done. Everybody knows what they're getting into and they have a PM resource to see it through to fruition, you know? Well, it's probably nice. They also, the, your cost and their cost are in two separate silos. So, you know, what, what you're doing to run the project is a different cost than the actual project cost and they don't depend on one another. So it makes you, um, not have a horse in the race when kind of picking different vendors, um, and being on the side of the client and not the side of the, um, you know, um, developers or whatever firm they're choosing. Totally. I'm, I'm 100% like the client's advocate yep. and whatever the design and development agency is that we select too, obviously they'll be the advocate of the client too, but, um, I, I'll, I'll be the person monitoring, making sure that, you know, we're getting everything that was decided on and that we're doing it on time to yeah. the best facility, obviously. Yeah. I've seen people, um, you know, either try to do that in-house with somebody. It's kind of the first, um, first time managing the project. I've also seen people use the agency's kind of, um, PM mm. and, you know, they both yeah. have their downsides, right. Where you're basically just borrowing someone from one of the other sides that that's not their, that's not their, ta that's their thing. Um, and they kind of, and there's not someone who just owns that one piece of the process and you can see some issues with that creep up. Yeah, hmm. yeah totally. It's, it's, and it, there's an interesting dynamic that happens too if it's a PM that's being used um, from the agency side and, and the PM is working for the client. I mean, I've seen it sometimes where like the PM on the agency side, it's like becomes the advocate for the client and they feel torn between, you know, keeping their actual company team members yeah. happy versus keeping the client happy. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation to be in. There's a weird <laughs> dynamic that they have to make sure, you know, the project's profitable, but also the client's happy and it's, yeah, yeah, they're, they're constantly <laughs> torn. So it puts you in a nice position where you're, where you're not, you can just focus on the client and, you know, let the agency do their thing. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. And be that middle person for, um, the agency too. Like, I mean, so many times poor agencies are like, but who do we ask, yeah. you know, who, who is making sure that these designs are approved on March 1st or else, you know, we're never going to be able to get this site launched, you know? Well, that's the other thing, who, who approves them either. Sometimes it's not even apparent, you know, you can ask someone and they can say yes, but that's not actually the person that <laughs> is ultimately in charge. You need to even make sure 
you know, you're getting the approval from the right people at the right time so they can actually kind of move forward. Uh, and then, oh. having, then having that in place so that they don't have to, um, you know, sit around and say, okay, you know, we're ready to go on March 1st, but, you know, we're still waiting for these design approvals and, you know, that'll take another two weeks because Gary's on vacation and... Right. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen that. I've seen those directions before. Yeah. I really hate when Gary goes on vacation. <laughs> and he's the only one that can prove those designs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He always leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with timeline that you can kind of weigh in on, on what people should be looking for there? And, you know, should they be looking at, you know, on the low end, is this like a few weeks or, you know, what uh, can kind of things fall as a range? Just kind of rules of thumb. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, that's easier for me to explain versus budget um, because it really, I mean, obviously time equals to budget um, ultimately, but I think at minimum you'll see e-commerce projects, you know, with a, with a decent skew amount, um, not anything super crazy, um, but like the hundreds of SKUs, uh, I think you could get those projects up in about three months. Um, then is this for a new development or for like a rebuild or does that not matter? It doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, like a redesign yep. rebuild. I can, I can, you can see it, you know, on three months, no crazy customizations, obviously no major integrations. Um, and then, you know, bliss, for instance, our, our redesign and build took, it was a year and a half. Yep. So, um, but that was like, it was a complete redesign of the front end. It was a replatform and then integrations to an ERP. Um, we had a separate OMS too. So there was an integration from our, our CMS to our OMS and then uh, to our warehouse. And, and there was also a booking engine uh, integration. So it was a very large scale project. And developing all that. And then the next phase of actually testing that and going back yeah. and then, you know, having some time to anything that comes out of those tests, work that again. And yeah, those are a lot more, uh, back and forth. I can imagine. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And, you know, again, we, we had, um, I was working at bliss at the time. So basically I was in charge of seeing this project through to fruition there. And so I had a dedicated team member from each department and basically we sent orders we placed orders manually on the site and everybody just did their checks and balances across systems and made sure that they had, that all the, the data was validated and that, um, they were receiving everything that they needed to receive and able to operate functions the way they needed to operate them. Hmm. And that was a year and a half, you said, right? Yeah, it was a year and a half project. Would three months be an example of a very short project or is it stuff you could kind of see getting done in, you know, weeks? Or is that not even reasonable to expect? I don't think that's reasonable to expect unless you're, uh, unless you have like one skew, but I mean, you have the design process, you know, and, yep. and you have the design process, um, you know, obviously you have the content management side of things. So if you're dealing with tons of skews, I mean, you have the product photography, you have, there's, there's, there's things to do, you know, and I think there's a lot of housekeeping people don't realize too when you're kind of getting in there on, you know, what's the about us page look like? What's the return policy? All that kind of um, building out that type of content, unless you already have that, um, like a rebuild and you have, but if you have to do that all from scratch, that all takes time. Totally. I, yeah, it 100% does. And I, 
yeah, I think three months is a good benchmark. Yeah. You could do it faster. Absolutely. If you have everything together and you're going to just go in there and have a friend design and build this for you real fast, you know, I'm sure you could, but, um, I think for the, the size of projects your listeners are, are talking about, I think minimum three months is, is reasonable. Okay. That's helpful. That's a good rule of thumb. All right. Anything else you think, um, before we wrap up, listeners should kind of know or on the next project, yeah, if I, they're doing something like this? <laughs> Nothing that I can think of right now. I feel like we really covered a lot, but feel good. free to reach out to me if anybody ever has any questions. So yeah, if people want to reach out, where can they find you? Um, at rebuildgirl.com. So R E B U I L D girl, G I R L.com. Excellent. And I'll add that in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants that, they can, um, contact you and, you know, start looking at the next project. Thank you. Awesome. It was great talking to you. You too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.